Good morning, welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us in Appleton and Stevens Point, and let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Our uh, school year is now getting ready to fire up as we've sadly come to the end of our summer. <laughs> Boo-hoo. <laughs> but, but we move on. Uh, like everybody getting ready to go back to school. Our uh, T1 program, Transition 1 program, is also starting up. And we're excited about that. This is a transition gap year program. Uh, it's starting small. The Bible says, do not despise small beginnings. So uh, it's starting small, but uh, we're excited about it. It's a program designed to uh, give a gap year between the senior year in high school and the first year in college. We are, I implore you, don't just send your kids off right away to college. Slow down. Take one year. Well, I don't want to. There's all kinds of things we don't want to do. I'm telling you, really what you need to do for your kids. Your kids should insist on it. The Bible says, put first the kingdom of God, and then everything else that everybody's trying to get will be added into your life. We'll be talking about that this morning, about the way you get. Sometimes you got to let go. And to honor God, put him first. You adults know what I'm talking about. A lot of you would love to be able to spend time going and helping and serving and stuff. You can't. Why? You're an adult now. You've got responsibilities. You've got jobs. You've got bills. You've got all this other kind of stuff. Just to get 10 days off to do a missions trip is a big deal. The time that you have the most freedom to truly focus on your faith and serve others is when you're young. Between high school and college is the perfect time to do it. It's a one-year program. Well, you know, one school semester, which is like nine months, where uh, we work with the kids. Uh, it's not a Bible college, but they'll be, you know, it's obviously based in the scriptures, and we'll be teaching them about it, but it's about how to live, how to do life, how to make decisions, how to be a leader, how to handle money. I'll be talking to the kids, working with them about how to date and approach this whole marriage thing, all these different things that oftentimes kind of get glossed over in a very quick way. We're going to try and really show them. And then at the end, the last three months, they will go on a missions trip where they go overseas and they will serve. And uh, it's hard. <laughs> it's really, really, really hard. But it's good for them to get a picture of what it's like in the rest of the world and just be a blessing to other people. I know a lot of people do uh, short-term mission trips, you know, seven days, 10 days. Kind of hard to distinguish that from a vacation sometimes. But uh, this is no quick trip. Three months in the trenches, uh, really learning to serve God and to put others first. It will be a life changer. Uh, and uh, gap year programs are now starting to take a, get a lot more attention in this country. Uh, recently, a study came out and said that kids who do a gap year program between 
high school and college do much better in college. So there's science now to back up. Now, even if it didn't happen, you should still put God first and serve in this opportunity. It's the best time, uh, you know, when you're a kid, you're a kid, you can't. When you get an adult, get into life, you can't. Now's the time. Seek first God's kingdom. They will not die to put off all this other stuff right away. It'll be good for them. Uh, so they, anyway, they did the study and found out that these kids are actually doing better because there's gap year programs going all over the place. President Obama's one of his daughters is doing a gap year program. A lot of people are doing it. We encourage you, just don't go right from high school into the rat race of life trying to be the fastest rat. Slow down. Put God first in your life. I don't know if we have any T1 people here in this service. Do we? We got, stand up. Where are you guys at? And your family, stand up. All y'all. Fabulous. Great, great, great. We got people from uh, Arizona, Indiana, Kentucky uh, that are joining us this year. And uh, we're excited about that as it starts to get out beyond just the four walls of our church and uh, the Arizona people. (laughs) Boy, are you guys in for a shock. (laughs) Merry Christmas here has a whole different meaning. But we're glad that you're here. It's going to be uh, an exciting time. And I want to remind you, next Sunday, all, your cam- all our campuses, special uh, guest speaker, uh, a young man who is a convert from Islam who becomes a Christian. He has an amazing story. You won't want to miss this. And then a Sunday night that evening, long after the Packers have been victorious <laughs> in their opening debut uh, this year, uh, just a, Saturday, a Sunday night service starting at 6 o'clock where he's going to show you exactly what Islam teaches. Uh, and he doesn't hold back. He knows the whole story. Because you hear today, well, that's not what they really teach. I mean, you, know, you kind of wonder wherever those stands. I'm telling you, this guy's going to make it very, very clear. And it's uh, quite the eye-opener. I want to encourage you to come out and uh, be a part of that. Speaking of football, by the way, I am not an LSU fan. <laughs> Apparently, this is their colors. Purple and gold. I had no idea. I don't know. I couldn't care 10 cents about LSU. But uh, my, my apologies to all you Badger fans. But uh, no, no insult intended. I don't watch any college. The only thing I watch are the Packers. That's all. I don't care about anything else. So, <clears throat> All right. This morning, giving you a message entitled, Complete Surrender, the key to winning. Everybody wants to win, right? Everybody wants to win in life including our young people. You want them to win. Everybody wants to win. But from a Christian perspective, the key to winning is complete surrender, which makes no sense. When you surrender, you're not winning. Uh, but in the spiritual realm, things are much different than they are in the natural realm. Jesus said this to his followers once, whoever does not pick up their cross. Now, this is pretty shocking. They didn't know what a cross was. We know what a cross is. We've got all these crosses all over the place, you know. Uh, that Jesus died on and stuff and what that represents. When Jesus said this, there was no context of that. They didn't know anything about Jesus dying on the cross. The cross was, they were very familiar with it, though, and they knew what it was to carry a cross. What they did to Jesus, they had done many times. The Romans were brutal. Uh, The Roman Empire had rule over the world at that time. Certainly Israel had it under their thumb. Uh, if they wanted to punish people for a variety, some of the smallest crimes in the world, they would crucify you. They were class A terrorists. 
and uh, they would make you carry your own cross, they'd crucify you, and they did it in mass. I mean, you'd often read of how they'd walk along roads, and on both sides of the roads were just people slowly dying on crosses. I mean, it was brutal. Um, and they knew what it meant. When he said, pick up your cross, he's like, whoa. Because what that really meant, when you're picking up your cross, you have completely yielded to the authorities above you. You're going to your death. And they knew the, the picture of that. To us, it's a picture of salvation. In the context he's talking about here, it's a picture of surrender and of death. Okay, whoever does not pick up, take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me, Jesus said. Because whoever finds their life will lose it. Everybody's trying to find their life. Everybody wants it. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. All about me, 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 me. But you hang on tight to what you want. You will lose it, Jesus says. But whoever loses their life for my sake, you surrender for my sake, then you will find it. The fear of loss keeps people from totally surrendering to the will of God. We are afraid to lose certain things. Everybody holds on to things very tightly in life. Uh, even stuff that's very bad for us, destructive for us, bad habits, addictions, all kinds of stuff. Uh, bad marriages where people are being beaten and abused, and, but they don't leave. The number one reason I talk to these people, fear. They can't give it up, fear. Everybody would rather live in the hell they know than the possible heaven that they don't know because they're afraid of change, even though their present circumstances are intolerable. It's stunning, the stories that you'll hear. Maybe some of you are in that very same story at this time. The way to get free of that is you have to lose the fear. But it's hard. You know, everybody wants to hang on. They want to live. They want to succeed. I got to have it. 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 But if you hang on tight, you won't get it. But pastor, I need, to, I need my needs first. And I got to get what I need. And it's all about me, 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 me. And I get it. We all love ourselves. I love me. <laughs> I'm my biggest fan. <laughs> but at some point, you got to lay down you and put Christ first in your life. But pastor, I, I, I just feel like I'm dying. Exactly. If you at times do not feel like you are dying, you're not doing this right. If there are times in your life as a Christian where you feel you are dying because you're letting go of things that you want and things you can't have, and, uh, then you're not doing this right. You got to let go. Jesus gave many of these contradictions. He says this one, so the last will be first. And the first will be last. Well, that's not the way it works in our world. The first are first here. Climb the ladder, pull the guy down in front of you, stomp on the guy's head underneath you, keep him down, rat race, try to be the fastest rat, try to get to the top. Gotta be first, gotta be first, gotta be first. Jesus said if you get caught up in that, you will in fact wind up being last. In his kingdom, it's the last who get raised up into being first. It's called the blessing and the favor of God. One time, Jesus walked into his disciples, and they were having an argument about which one of them was the greatest. <laughs> Clearly a male argument. <laughs> I'm great. No, I'm greater than you. No, I'm fabulous. These are the apostles, for heaven's sakes. I'll argue about who was the most fabulous. Who was the greatest? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? Jesus, you guys don't get this. Whoever's first is going to be last. Or was last going to be first? Jesus said, I came to serve. So Jesus did. Hard for us to grasp. 
the Lord wasn't particularly interested in making it easy for people to follow him. He was very strong with people. He was unbelievably compassionate and mercy like no one's ever seen. But don't misunderstand that Jesus was just walking around like a smiling hippie. (laughs) Hey, man, I love you, man. I love you. Yes, I do. I really love you. These new movie characterizations of Jesus irritate me to no end. Guy walking around smiling, looking like he just got out of an insane asylum. Love and peace. Jesus was very strong with people. Very strong. And he knew what it was that people wanted. And he often called them out because he knew them. So everybody has things they don't want to let go of. We come to, we follow God, but we come with conditions. I will follow God as long as I don't have to do this. I will follow God as long as I don't have to do that. I'll come to church as long as I don't have to do anything. <laughs> or whatever people's thing is, you know. Uh, we all have those things. You know, I, I don't want to get baptized. You know, I'll serve Jesus, but I, I don't want to get baptized. You don't, you don't get to make up the own, your own rules, you know. you know. You know the number one reason why so many women don't want to get baptized? They want to get their hair wet. <laughs> For the love of Pete. Now, I get it. You put all this work into your glorious appearance. I thank you. See all these pretty girls all dolled up? They don't just roll out of bed looking that way. (laughs) All right? So the idea, after putting all that work, of getting splashed and looking like a cat in a rainstorm (laughs) is quite horrifying to them. But so what? You don't get to just say, well, I'll follow God as long as I don't have to do X. I'll follow Jesus as long as I don't have to give up this one relationship. I know I shouldn't have this relationship, but I'm not going to give it up. I'm, I'm going to serve Jesus as long as I don't have to do that thing over there. Or, or, that, you deceive yourself. Well, I don't want to give it up. I feel like I'm dying. Exactly. Exactly. People would come to Jesus. He knew him right away. He'd say different things to different people. Some of them were very strong. Uh, but I believe it was directly pointed at those people because he knew their hearts. Uh, in Matthew chapter 8, it says, Jesus saw the crowd around him. He gave orders to the cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law comes to Jesus and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. Now, this wasn't some great real profession of faith. You have to remember, at one point, this point in Jesus' career, if you will, use that term, he was only ministering for three years. In three years, he changed the world. Unbelievable. And all this teaching in just a short period of time. But at one point, he was like a rock star. The Bible said multitudes followed him, multitudes, thousands upon thousands. One time he fed 5,000. That wasn't counting the women and children. Because he didn't count the women and children back in those days. You know, they were counted with the goats and the chickens. It's true. People say Christianity puts down women. No, no, no. Christianity was the first religion in the world that lifted women up. And that's where Paul said already, there's no difference between male or female in the kingdom of God. Very radical. Jesus came and changed all that. But thousands and thousands of people, they they followed him, they thronged around him. Uh, The Bible says they gave him money. They had so much money. Jesus, I don't think people understand this. The thing is, he didn't spend it on himself. But he had so much money, one guy's job was just to get rid of it all. You know who it was? Judas. Judas. Yeah. <laughs> Got him in the end. That was his job, man. He had to get rid of it. Got rid of it. So anyway, here's this guy. He sees Jesus. He's a rock star. Everybody's coming around. He's getting all these guys. 
look at all the money he's taking in. This is awesome. This has got to be an amazing gig. I want to I follow you. Jesus turns around and says, foxes have dens. Birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Now, we don't know the response to this, but my inclination is, is a lot of these things that these people would turn away after he'd say things to them. Clearly, Jesus is not against people having a place to sleep. But this guy, he probably knew that the biggest thing to him, security, nice accommodations. Jesus looks right at him and says, you follow me? Got no accommodations. Another guy comes to Jesus and says, Lord, I'm going to follow you, but first let me go and bury my father. Put it on the screen. There we go. Let me go bury my father. And Jesus said, okay, well, great, have a great funeral. And then uh, when you get a chance, you can catch up with us in Jerusalem. No. Jesus said, follow me. Let the dead bury their own dead. Whoa. Now, I love reading some of these theologians and stuff because they go through great lengths to jump through hoops and what happened in the culture of the day and what this really meant to them because they cannot comprehend that Jesus would have been this rude to people. But I think he was, clearly. But he didn't tell everybody this. He told this guy this because this is a guy probably that meant more to him than anything. Someone says, well, you know, it meant back in the day, you know, his dad was probably still alive. He had to wait for his dad to die before. You know, I don't think so. I think this is just as harsh as it sounds because it was so important to this guy. Jesus knew right away. The thing you want to hang on to the most, you need to let go of. Horrifying, isn't it? Another guy comes to Jesus, says, what do I got to do to be saved? I've done everything I know. Jesus answered, well, if you want to be perfect, you want to get this right, go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away very sad because he had great wealth. Jesus did not tell everybody to sell everything they had. Told him. Why? Instantly, Jesus knew what meant more to him than anything else. See, if you try to take all these discipleship verses and apply them to everybody, then you wind up with like a cult-like Context where everybody sells everything and, you know, and nobody can be around relatives because you got to let the dead bury their dead and, you know, everybody's got to live on the floor with nothing, no pillows. And I mean, it's just, there's, there's groups that actually have done stuff like this. They try and take all these things literally. What they don't get, these are specific phrases pointed specifically at individuals. Who wanted these things more than anything? I want to follow you. What do I got to do? Jesus would look right at him and say, that one thing you love, that one thing you desire more than anything, yeah, you got to let it go. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves. We don't want to deny ourselves. We love ourselves. Come on. Everything we do all day long is to make this as comfortable as humanly possible. We have our space. We have things the way we want them. And things got to be just the way the chair has to be just right. And all our knickknacks have to be just don't move the knickknacks. And I hate it when somebody comes in my workspace because someone moves something. I hate it when he moves something because those pencils have to be right there. Who moved my pencils? And they go crazy because they want everything just the way it is because that's the way we live life. We want to be as comfortable as possible. I can't believe, I can't believe the french fries are taking 30 seconds. Hurry up. Man, it's a hornet because we don't want to be inconvenienced. Okay. You know, I got a lot shorter fuse. 
than I used to have. I told Joe, I says, I think I'm turning into a grumpy old man. <laughs> you know that guy you always feared? All the kids, they go, man, I never want to be like that. You know, little things just take her out the front out. And I go, oh, man, that came out of me. <laughs> you know, I'm turning into a grumpy old man. Oh, my gosh. Little things irritate me now. I need to learn. Let it go. Just I think the reason why older people get grumpy quicker is at some point we think, really? Are you that stupid? <laughs> but, yes. They're that stupid. You have to deny yourself. Man, we don't want to deny ourselves. Nobody wants to deny ourselves. If I want to get any of you mad, every one of you, you guys in point, Apple, all you guys, all I got to do is knock you off your routine for a day. By the end of the day, some of you will be mad as a hornet. Put something back in the wrong spot. You'll go psycho crazy. We love ourselves. We love ourselves. We love ourselves. But Jesus said, hey, you need to deny yourself. You need to say no to what you want. If you don't say no to what you want from time to time, that's, that's bad for you. And that's why the Bible encourages us to fast. Now, for those of you who don't know what fasting, it has to do with eating. It doesn't mean eat as fast as you can. <laughs> I fast all the time, man. No, 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 no. Fasting means you don't eat at all. Go a day, no food. Some of you listening to me right now, as long as you've been a Christian, you've never done it, not even for a day. Really? You got to say no to this. You got to say no. If you don't say no, this will run your life, and that's not good for you. So Jesus said, you want to be my disciple? Oh, yeah, I want to be your disciple. I want to be your disciple. You got to deny yourself. And I'll show you, Lord, as long as I don't have to do such and such, as long as I don't got to do that or get rid of this friend or... I know I shouldn't be dating that one guy, and I shouldn't, you know, I've been as long as I can. Don't, don't touch that stuff, and I'll do anything. But you don't get to pick that. You see, the only way to become a disciple of Jesus is through total, unconditional surrender. You know what unconditional surrender means? At the end of World War II, the Germans and the Japanese finally surrendered. But it was an unconditional surrender. They got nothing. No terms. They just signed, we quit. See, a lot of times in war situations, they'll sue for peace and they'll try and get concessions from the other side. But by this time, we'd had it. 100 million people dead by this point, most of them civilians. No, no, no. We're going to sue for peace. Unconditional surrender. And they surrendered unconditionally. That is what God wants from you and from me. You want to be a disciple? Unconditional surrender. No, 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 but I don't want to, I don't want to, no, no, no. Unconditional surrender. Oh, Pastor, I just feel like I would die. Exactly. Let's keep reading. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross. Again, they didn't look at it as a point of salvation. It was a humiliating, surrendering tool of death. And you have to follow me, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. 
A lot of people followed Jesus. And one time I said multitudes. He was a rock star, man, until one day he turned around and he made it absolutely clear. You have to come to me with unconditional surrender. It freaked him out. His disciples got freaked out. Not, not the 12 apostles. I'm talking about all, he had disciples. They had all the disciples. When they heard what this really encountered, they loved the miracles. They loved the free food. That was awesome. Man, we love raising people from the dead and walking on water. Man, how cool is this? But I, I got to give up something? I, I, that, that thing that I love more than anything? No, I, I can't. I won't. And we read in God's gospel, from this time, many of the disciples turned back, no longer followed him. They literally said, it's too hard. That's, 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 that's too hard. I, I don't, nobody can do that. Jesus turned around, looked at his 12 disciples, and he said this, please don't go. Come on, you guys, we're buddies. No. He said, uh, you guys want to go too? Unconditional. He's not playing, never has. Simon Peter answered, Lord, where are we going to go? You alone have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Jesus gave this analogy. He said, very truly, I tell you. In other words, I'm not lying. <laughs> very truly, I tell you. Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a single seed. But if it dies, what does it mean when it dies, a seed died? It, it lets go and it transforms. It's like when your body, when you die, or when your body finally yields the spirit. It stops and, and boom, you're out of here. That's death. He says, unless a seed lets go and transforms, it will just remain a seed stuck in the ground. But if it let go, it'll bring forth new life. Man, if that doesn't describe a lot of people today, even wonderful Christians who love God and all this stuff, you are stuck in the ground and it is cold and it is dark and it's uncomfortable and you're lonely and you're breathing dirt all day long and you can't get anywhere as a pastor. What do I do? What do I do? Die already. Because once you let go, new life will burst out of you. The thing you're fighting, that transition from selfishness to selflessness is about as painful as physically dying. That's why the analogy. It's hard. What I'm talking about is no easy thing. What I'm trying to tell you is you really want to get this right? That's what you got to do. The only way to truly win, unconditional surrender. And that's when new life transitions out of you, man, and your life turns around dramatically. You know, I remember when I was 16 years old, I had just become a Christian. And I hadn't been a Christian more than a few months. And one day I was you know, just reading the Bible, which back then was really hard, because all we had was the King James Bible. And the wherefore thou wouldst, wouldst comest to us, thou wouldst, shouldest, wouldst, couldest, wouldst, 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 wherefore thou, you know, what the heck is that? You know, it, was, it was really hard. I was like, look at this. And at the time, I'd just gotten become a Christian, but uh, I had a rock and roll band connected to all the bad things that rock and roll is connected to. And I love that band. I loved it. This was my, you know, 16. When you're 16, oh, everything's the end of the world, right? It's a big deal. And as I'm reading it, it's, I'm telling you, 
I don't know there was an audible voice. It almost seemed, I don't know. All I know is I'm reading this, and all of a sudden, I hear, you need to get out of that band. It freaked the willing, just, the, just that experience. Which is, I went, ah, and I threw the Bible out. What was that? And then I started thinking about what I just, I just heard, and I just freaked. I thought, no, no, no. I won't give that up. I'll give up everything, I can't give that up. You can't take that from me. But I knew in my heart this was an unconditional surrender. I didn't get to set my terms. Finally, I let go. Call all the guys in the band, you know, boy, they're mad, cursing me, mocking me, you stupid Jesus freak, what's the matter with you? We're gonna be famous someday, and you stupid fool, you're giving it all about. Everybody came, got all their band equipment, everything. The only thing I was left with was my little Fender guitar amp. And I stood there and I just cried. <laughs> 16, that's a big deal, right? That's the end of the world. <laughs> I did. I cried on all I cried. And then I finally said, okay, God, whatever you want. A year and a half later, I'm traveling all over the United States and Europe with Joe. <laughs> we're doing concerts and places and recording albums and studios and doing everything I thought I had totally given up. All of a sudden, it gets handed back to me in droves. Those guys in that band, they're still in Nielsville, I think. <laughs> really, I don't think they did anything. It feels like you're dying, but if you'll die and let go, life will come. Jesus says, if you'll lay down your life, You'll find it. If you let go of what you're holding on to, then you'll get it. But it looks different. I remember just in my life as an adult, you know, I'd, one thing I desired more than anything else was to do what I'm doing today, to preach to people, to talk to people, to inspire people. So wanted to do it, but nobody would ever give me a shot. You know, I went at least 20 years at one point, not a single sermon, not a Bible study. They wouldn't even let me take an offering. They didn't, because I was silly, apparently. <laughs> and I'd say something in a funny way and crack a joke. And of course, these are serious churches. You know. <laughs> Clearly, God's upset. We should all be upset. <laughs> and they didn't like, like that. And you know, there's people this day who still don't like it. I get it. I'm apparently not everybody's cup of tea. <laughs> There's people come to visit, and, and they, they, I don't want to go back there. He's, he's acting like a clown up there. I always say, no, 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 I'm not acting. <laughs> See, because they think it's an act. They think, they think you're being phony. You're, you're they're goofing around on purpose. No, I'm really this way all the time. Pray for my wife. Okay? It's... Apparently, this isn't so much fun after a while. It's a little irritating. I truly, and they, this wasn't, I'll give it up because God will give it to me later. No, I totally, I thought, I'll never get this. I'll never get it. This is not for me. And I just had to let it go. Never in my wildest dreams after that did I ever think I would ever be doing what I'm doing today. Then at 47 years of age, all of a sudden, opportunities came up, and I'm traveling all over the world speaking into people's lives. If you try to hang on to what you want, you won't get it anyway. 
That's the irony of it. And if you do get a version of it, it still won't be what it could have been because you're hanging on to it so tight. If you'll just learn to let go and let God, things turn around. Now, we all have justifications why we can't do it. I can't forgive that person because what he did to me. I, I, it's easy for you to say, trust God. You don't know the circumstances that I'm in. And, and, and I, I, I can't trust God because I'm so sick. And you guys have got to ask, I can't trust God. What if I die trusting God? You don't want to die not trusting God. But they don't think it through. Everybody's got their thing. No matter what your reason for not letting go, you need to let go. You want to win? You truly want to win. Even this transition one, God bless these young people. There's young people right now that even in our church who hear me talk about they have no, they have no intention of ever doing this, bro. Not a chance, not gonna do it. Not gonna, I, I want this other stuff, I want this other stuff. I, I got this plan, I got this goal, I got this. I'm telling you, as clearly as I can, I love you no matter what you do. God loves you no matter what you do. But if you hang on tightly to what you want, chances are, You'll never get it. And even whatever you do get, it'll just be a shadow of what it could have been if you would have just learned to let go and to trust him. We're going to take communion together at all our campuses in just a minute. And as we do this, you're thinking about the communion. As we're singing, we're getting ready to take this communion. I want you to think, have I truly let everything go? And at that time, just surrender to Jesus. Say, Father, I just, I let it go. Leave it, leave it all at the foot of the cross. So well, what is it? I don't know. It's different for everybody. It was different for these guys. Each time he talked to them, he threw a different thing at them because he knew their hearts. Don't try and put conditions on your service to God. Unconditional surrender. That is when you truly win. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word and for your truth. God, it is much easier to talk about these things than to do them. That is for sure. But this is a great challenge before us, Lord. You just want us to be blessed. This isn't designed to hurt. You're not trying to hurt anybody. My life is more blessed now than it would have ever been in a million years if I'd have done it my way and forced it. I'm going to do my dreams. I'm going to do it. I'm going to make it happen. But letting go, you bless. And when you bless, wow, things are incredible. Help us, Lord, to serve you no matter who it separates us from, no matter who it associates us with, no matter what the cost. Help us to leave it all at the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you, Pastor Mark.